Okay. Welcome yeah. to Lost in the Lockdown. We're here again. Uh, last week would have was uh, Man of Science, Man of Faith, the season two beginning, which we discussed in quite extensive detail. Um, so now we're moving on to episode two, Adrift, which is real-time events at the same time, as we briefly mentioned in last week's episode. The first, I want to say, three or four episodes of this season kind of overlap with one another. Um, I think it's three, actually. Mm-hmm. They're kind of an... Yeah. They're like, a, they're like the annoying bunch of episodes I found. Yeah, I agree. These first three, they're kind of really frustrating because you think, oh, I've seen this scene seven times now. <laughs> yeah, I know we said... I know I said earlier when we were <laughs> talking about uh, season one that I quite like seeing things over and over from perspective, but this is done within an inch of its life. I know what you mean. Oh, God. It's really, really <laughs> overdone a little bit. But we'll get to that. So... Um... <laughs> Yeah, this is Adrift, so second episode, and I, before we go anywhere, I'll hand over to Scott. Okay, uh, so this is the 27th ep- uh, overall episode, uh, aired on the 28th of September 2005. This was an episode which had 23.7 million viewers, and this actually is the second highest viewership in the whole run, next to Man of Science, Man of Faith. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so these two episodes were the highest ever viewed episodes of the whole show um, and fun enough it got really bad reviews but we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that later <laughs> on um, directed by Stephen Williams he comes back <laughs> after directing Do No Harm last season which was one of our I think we agreed it was one of our favourite episodes going back big time yep um, mm-hmm. uh, written by a couple of lads called Stephen Mader and Leonard Dick uh, didn't really see much other works from them didn't check them out but it's quite minimal if I can remember correctly um, we have uh, a new game this week of uh, how old is that rapper? <laughs> so this week we have uh, the artist Little Wayne or Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne, <laughs> who was born on the twenty seventh of September. Um, so obviously he's a bit younger than <laughs> one we previously had. So this one might be a bit tougher. So um, two contestants, we need to have your your guesses, please. Okay. Uh, well, bearing in mind, all I'll say is that no offense, he's he's shy. So no offense to any listeners that like Lil Wayne. I apologize. <laughs> so I don't follow him as much as the other rappers that we have potentially just for, mentioned. Just for clarity, I'm not going for quality on here. I'm just going for the most <laughs> significant, almost well-known artist I can find. Well, he, he... Are you saying you, you don't like MC Hammer from a couple of weeks? <laughs> <laughs> there are there are some exceptions to the rule. All I, all, yeah, Nimi Five MC Hammer songs. All I know, uh, all I know, all I know is that Lil Wayne collaborated with Blink, who are one of my favorite bands, and they kind of reorganized What's My Age again with rapping verses, and I was like, no, 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 in the bin on fire. He, yeah, it was. Don't don't even search it out. It's terrible. Um, did he go for a phase of like collaborating with like? Um, he had like maybe like a, more of a guitar rock bass sort of album, Lil Wayne. I think at some I think point he um, he did briefly, and he kind of did. I think if you look on YouTube, there's like a top ten worst guitar sellers. You know that Nick Nick Jonas guitar seller that gets uh, brought around every now and then. It became a meme where it's just the worst guitar solo ever. Uh, <laughs> Little Wayne's got one similar, and he tried to do something different, but really, he's crap. Um, but yeah, he went he went on what? he went on tour with Blink. They had him as his support, and it was the weirdest. Yeah. But back to the age. That's almost as bad. That <laughs> sorry, that's almost as bad as when I went to see Muse about um, 
10 years ago. They did an arena tour in England and they had Lily Allen as one of the main support acts. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that That's was strange. Distinctly painful as well. I mean, the <laughs> I, I, that one out. I wanted to say the weirdest one I ever saw was like, well, not weirdest, but like Biffy Clyro supported Lincoln Park and I did, even though it's rock, they were, couldn't have been further from one another. So that was a weird one. I'm going to say though, for Lil Wayne, he's 35. Ballpark. See, I don't know. I was going like twenties. Like I couldn't even tell you. I know the name, but I like twenty nine. I'm gonna go twenty nine. Oh, we've got Lil Wayne. <laughs> uh, was born in nineteen eighty two, so he's thirty seven. Oh wow, thirty eight okay. this month. Huh. Maybe it's all the tattoos and the grill that he's got. You I don't know. Can't see any kind of stress lines or crow's feet because he's covered them <laughs> up with like prison tattoos and shit. I don't know. I, I don't know if he's been to prison. That's you know. <laughs> he's, he's not little Wayne. He's big Wayne. He's older than me. He's big Wayne. <laughs> big Wayne, all of it. He's, he's old Wayne. I'm pretty sure though. He does, I'm pretty sure he does have like face tattoos though, so it is quite deceiving. He has, and he's got like a grill, and you know, he's it's got, like, like um, I think he's got piercings. Post Malone's like younger than me, and I'm like, what? Yeah, he just looks like a darts player down the local pub, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I quite, like, I quite on, like him, but Stevie. he's got like full-on head tattoos and stuff, and I'm like, you're only 25, what? <laughs> I do see some people like, out and about who, like, I remember from school. And they look about fifty now. Like they've just aged horribly in twenty years. Like, how are you like? How are you the same age as me? What what happened? Some, some you've had a bad paper round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, little Wayne, thirty-seven. Wow. Happy birthday to him in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, a couple of weeks time. Yeah. yeah. Any guest stars for us this week? Oh, uh, yeah, we have <laughs> drum roll. <laughs> uh, we have yes, we have um, a returning character, but I don't think we we mentioned her previously. Um, an actress, Tamara Taylor, who plays um, Susan. Susan, yeah, uh, Michael's wife or ex-wife, mother of Walt, um, and she's an actress I know from I think every single episode of Bones. Uh, I'm not sure uh, if you know, if you remember. The TV show Bones that seemed to be on for about I haven't watched, 15 years. I haven't watched Bones. I've got it in my prime queue. But the one thing that I oh, yeah. suddenly uh, kind of had a mic drop moment. I was finishing off Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the other day, season 7. And she pops up as the main mm-hmm. antagonist of that season. And I was like, wait a minute. Is, is oh. that her? And then I was like, I hated her even more then after that. <laughs> after everything we know she does to Michael. I was like, oh, she needs to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, uh, I mean... Um, seems to have had quite a quite a illustrious career you know outside of bones um, there's a, a Netflix series from earlier this year called October Faction um, I'm not entirely sure what it was I think I've seen a trailer for it but like most of those Netflix shows I watch the trailer and I never watch the show um, so October Faction but yeah I think what she's known for mostly is bones um, and a couple of episodes of Altered Carbon oh yeah uh, the first the first season of that as well um, so she's she's a recurring um, a recurring actress for the f- about three or four episodes now. Sorry, um, sorry to jump in. Else... Sorry, um, I'm oh. just I'm just mm-hmm. having a look as well. And she appeared in something that one of our main cast members appeared in. Sorry to jump on what you were saying, but she oh, no, no, she appeared no, no, in about no. sixteen episodes of Party of Five, which featured Mr. Matthew Fox. 
Anyway, shall we get into it, lads? Let's do it. So, adrift. Um, I didn't really get many notes for this, to be perfectly honest with you. And as Scott's alluded to it, critically anyway, didn't get the best reception. But generally speaking, this is happening in real time alongside the events of Man of Science, Man of Faith, so whilst Jack, Locke, Kate, Hurley and all that squad are blowing up the hatch and finding Desmond and all that jazz. Um, a drift is happening on the raft out in the ocean. So where we left Michael, wait, Michael, Sawyer, Jin and Walt, they mm. were, they'd set sail at the end of season one. Um, they'd potentially found rescue. They thought they'd found rescue. Mr. F uh, Tom Friendly turned up with his mates, stole Walt and blew up the raft. So... We know that Jin got shot, and he disappeared somewhere into the sea. And uh, I think Mike... Uh, wait, no, is it Jin or is it Sawyer, sorry, who got shot? Sawyer got shot. Apologies. Uh, yeah, Sawyer. And Jin got kind of washed away. Uh, and mm -hmm. and then Michael obviously shouted his famous line of, Walt. <laughs> <laughs> so really, where we're left is, this is a Michael-centric episode. Um, mm -hmm. And really, we'll start with the flashbacks, of which I didn't really write an awful lot, but it, it's, again, kind of continuing his struggles with Susan, as we've already mentioned, uh, to get uh, rights to Walt. She wants him to sign away his parental rights uh, to Walt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thoughts, guys? <laughs> well, I mean... Sorry, yeah. No, no, I, I was just going to say, I mean, it, there's not much more that's that's new with this. Um you know, it, it just fills in a, a few more gaps, I guess. Um, you know, the, the, most of it is just the fact that Michael is really sort of being railroaded into the fact, like, like everything just goes wrong for Michael. The the lawyer asks him all these like really shitty questions mm. um, to be like, well, for for someone, I'm, I'm reading it off the page here. It's like for someone who wants to retain his parental right, you don't know very much about your son. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, but she's not giving him a chance. It's. <laughs> Oh, it was really yeah, yeah basically. Um, and sorry, Scott. I'm, I'm, I think we're all of the same opinion that Susan is the worst. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was pretty much going to just say the same sort of thing. It was yeah. The the the, the lawyer, um, Susan's lawyer, is clearly playing dirty. Um, yeah. And all throughout the the main sort of like discussion, Susan remains silent. And then at one part, the lawyer mentions about Susan paying medical bills, even though Michael didn't ask for yeah. it. And then she stays quiet, and I'm just thinking, I mean, there's no need for her to be such a cunt. It's just, <laughs> there's no need. Like, no, there isn't. I'm, I, I don't remember, and I'm sure you guys can tell me differently, because you've seen the show more than me, but is there any point, any more flashbacks later on down the line where we find out that Michael has done something, or he had been acting in, in such an abhorrent way for her to be such an arsehole to him? So I, I just can't recall so from it. my memory given uh the fate of michael um and everything like that given where his storyline more or less ends within the show's run i don't recall a flashback ever happening where he was so diabolical that he deserved this treatment <laughs> from my memory <laughs> yeah, anyway he got run over for fuck's yeah, sake yeah and I all mean... he wants to be is with his boy <laughs> And she says when they have like the kind of the uh, the one on one, they have like a little tete a tete in like this little private room. And Susan says, "I'll oh, just you know, can you just drop the case because I think you're going to win." 
I'm like, you little shit. Isn't there, isn't, <laughs> he's clearly... isn't there the mention of money as well? Because obviously he sues her to keep his custody rights, but then she's like, yeah, I've got more money than you, so this will run you into the ground. There's no point in even trying. I, I'm not sure about that, but I know at the start of the episode, at the start of the flashback at least, the lawyer says to Michael, it's going to be expensive. That's it, that's what like, I mean, yeah, even, sorry. Yeah, it's like, you know, you're going to have to be, be prepared, but then Susan later on says to him, oh, you can't work. You're not going to look after a kid whilst you've, you know, whilst you're recouping and you like rehabilitating your, your your leg or whatever it is that got hurt in the accident. So just let him go. And I'm thinking, no, nah, that's because we don't get any payoff from that either. No, you don't. It just kind of ends on that. Um, so I think she's playing she's playing dirty like the lawyer. The lawyer's advised her to say, just try and f- lay on lay on the thick with the you won't be able to cope with him. You don't have any money, so just let him go. But Michael was pretty adamant, saying, "I'll." I'll I'll do it because I have to do it. She basically um, makes him. She kind of like persuades him to doubt his own motivations, doesn't she? Really, like. Yeah. It's yeah. it's blackmail. It's emotional blackmail. Yeah. What a bitch. It's it made me angry. I'm not even the dad, no. and it made me like <laughs> genuinely. Well, you're angry. a cat dad. You're a cat dad now, so you got to think of it in those perspectives. <laughs> oh, you can just just take him. It's fine. I'll give you the money you want. <laughs> Here's me with three. <laughs> Oh god! Yeah. You're gonna have a football team, mate. By the end of it. Oh god! Well, yeah, there is that female and male. <laughs> um, so yeah, really, the the crux of these flashbacks is is that really? There's not anything else really to them. I feel like in terms of from from a writing room perspective, it's it's much like um, Charlie's episodes in season one, where you know by the time we've got to the second one. They're kind of repeating themselves a little bit. There's not really much more to say in respect of obviously Charlie's drug addiction in the past. It's much the same here in that we get that Susan's been horrible to Michael and that you know he just wants to see his son. Um, mm-hmm. th- there's not much more to say really, and I feel like maybe it's not a placeholder, but it's just it's again A to B, isn't it? It's just something to put there so that we're not breaking up the familiar formula of the show. But let's face let's face yeah. it, the on island events or out at sea for this respect in this respect, out at sea events are there more is... important. Sorry, Scott. No, no, you're right. you are definitely right there. Um, but there is like a the ending to the flashback. There, there is like a kind of a bridge gap where Michael like meets young Walt, like the toddler Walt, and he gives him a polar bear teddy. Of course, of he course. Does. And um, <laughs> Lindor laughs. It's standard. <laughs> God damn you! Um, it's standard. Like cunt behaviour from Susan again. She's just so consistently cunt. Um, <laughs> I do apologise, but I just can't stand the character. Um, uh, and um, he says to Walt, "It's quite tender." And he says, "You know, don't worry. Whatever happens, your dad, your dad like loved you, no matter what happens." So mm. that kind of lends into this part where he's been taken. He he's not going to give up on mm. him. And that's kind of the only connecting tissue you can make from that to, to the current. Yeah, events. I mean, I mean yeah. ultimately, yeah. we know that Michael will do anything for his boy. That's it, and, and we and yeah, we know exactly. yeah. we've known that all through season one, in the good and the bad moments, and from his flashbacks. Because he just keeps saying Exa- it. exactly, <laughs> he's like, "I will do anything for you." <laughs> yeah, like like that 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 last scene. Um, it, it's very good in that last scene. Um, Harold, I'm gonna say that Perino, Perino, Perino. Yeah, he's very. It is very good in that last scene. I don't know. I don't want to make assumptions, but I'm, this this sounds awful. But it's like. As a dad, I hate saying that, but um, it was just like, I thought it was very affecting that last scene, you know, where he where he corrects himself. It's like um, 
he's very non-specific. He's like he promises that your daddy will always love you. Is what he says. Um, yeah. Doesn't he? Doesn't say that I'm your dad, yeah. but he says that your dad will always love you. Um, which I thought was was very nice. Um, it's it's about the only like everything else is is sort of I should say A to B, but that's that's the only one that really hits emotionally and you know obviously connects to as you said connects to the ongoing island storyline. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess with that we'll move on to the technically on island events but you know just offshore <laughs> um, just <laughs> offshore events so we know that the raft has been attacked and destroyed by the others uh, or well you assume the others anyway given the events of season one um, and I think it starts with Sawyer actually kind of surfacing uh, and he can hear Michael uh, shouting for Walt so that kind of connects you with the last where you last saw them in season one um, and Sawyer's mm. shouting for Jin now I think you briefly hear Jin but he he disappears kind of into the ocean so this is really about mm. Michael and Sawyer in this episode can I quickly just interject mm. so sorry yeah, go for it's it. just something that it's a bit of a bit of a callback to um, uh, a season one episode um, I think Michael at one point is uh, kind of like choking on water and he might be kind of be shot for breath mm-hmm. and Sawyer tries the ABC Studios approved CPR <laughs> where thumping him on Crack the chest. The ribs. I'm not sure what part it happens. <laughs> yeah, um, it just made me laugh seeing that. I thought, is this uh, really didn't get any kind of feedback from that episode and said you might want to kind of dial it down a little bit. I feel like we need to send a tweet out <laughs> just to say to people, post lost or lost onwards, is there any other Damon Lindelof show, like The Leftovers, for example, where <laughs> they use CPR and does it involve the massacring of one's ribs? I can't think in Watchmen that it ever happened, but <laughs> The Leftovers, maybe, I don't know. No, yeah, the ABC-approved method is is uh, is always going to get you back. It's always going to get you back. Um, so, yeah, I think... Sorry, sorry. that's fine. So... Yeah, you briefly hear Jin, and then I think because you, well, from our perspective anyway, we are with Sawyer. He he can't see him, and he decides to rescue Michael, or at least go to Michael. Uh, like you say, mm-hmm. drags him onto a piece of uh, wreckage, performs his ABC CPR. Um, Michael wakes up, and then immediately blames Sawyer <laughs> for firing the flare, which I thought was hilarious, because um, essentially that's what drew the others to them. <laughs> Now, if I think back, oh wait, no, he kind of did actually, didn't he? At the end of season one, he kind of said, "We've got to fire it," and Michael was a bit apprehensive. Yeah, yes, so yeah. it so it uh, is a bit. Well, it's not his fault. Why wouldn't you do it? But ultimately, yeah, he drew them to. He made them do it. So, um, <laughs> and then, like any good show, out at sea, and when one is bleeding, they realise that they've got a shark circling. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's. I, I mean, it's a little contrived. Just a tad. Um, just, just to, yeah, just, just to make, uh, you know, just to give them some peril. Um, like it's, it's quite funny. It is. Um, what happens? Like this, this whole episode where they're, where they're having their argument on the raft, and it, it's, it's very, it's like a, a Mike and a Michael and Sawyer sitcom. It, you know, it's like I must... they, they don't talk to each other for for the whole episode and then make up at the end, basically. Um, yeah. You know, throw a couple of jokes in there, and you've got a, a standard episode of any crappy sitcom you could care to. I mention. think you've just kind of summed up why. I mean, 
I'll, I'll say it now personally I, i'm not the biggest fan of this episode it's very again a to b i keep saying it it's just kind of to say mm. hey this is where these guys are in the storyline we appre- we know that the hatch storyline is way more interesting but we got to appreciate that we <laughs> left these guys in the ocean so we need to tell you what's happened yeah. with them um and yeah it's yeah it's quite interesting sorry so I, I know that uh, we normally do like the the trivia part at mm. the end go for it, um, go for it. but the, there is a note here where it says the episode was originally going to be a Sawyer one. Oh, right. Um, and it just just got sort of rejigged into a Michael one, so maybe that's why. Yeah. Um, it's it's it feels kind of haphazard. Um, yeah. So this this is the quote from Carl Carlton Cuse. Um, that's right. So yeah. this happens all the time in both film and TV scenes or storylines are shot that don't work out as you hoped. This is the about the Sawyer part of it. Um, okay. We've been fortunate to have a high success rate on Lost. Uh, in fact, this was the only time we dumped an entire storyline. So this oh, was wow. a, a hastily reshuffled episode, it seems. I mean, that makes sense then, because, I mean, some of the trivia that I've got, I'll, I'll mention it now as well then. So I think to avoid bloating the opening episode, which, you know, was already chocker with, you mm. know, tri- uh, mythology, you name it, everything was happening all at once, and we definitely covered that. I think they were originally going to put some of those Hatch storylines within whatever this second episode was originally going to be mm. um and they they kind of either put them in the first episode or put them into the third episode because there was just too much going on so it mm. does make sense that maybe it is a bit haphazard that they kind of dropped everything almost <laughs> <laughs> it does feel it, it does feel very haphazard though it does feel very hastily done it's like of the of the trilogy or of the four episodes that are all playing out in real time personally mm-hmm. this is my least favorite um there's just mm-hmm. either not enough yeah. happening or like you say it's very contrived i mean it's nice to see two characters like michael and sawyer who you know i think we agree we we all kind of like michael a bit more now and mm-hmm. you know sawyer's sawyer he's, he's always good value for screen mm-hmm. time it's good to see them arguing it's fun it's a bit of banter i guess but then the fact that they've got a shark you know (laughs) oh for god's sake like okay and then the shark doesn't really do much the amount of times i mean isn't there a point when the the bit that they kind of have a lover's tiff they go on separate bits of the raft kind Mm -hmm. of turn their backs to one another like i'm not talking to you like a little chat two children (laughs) who have a quick have a five minute falling out like you did on the playground (laughs) and the shark doesn't do it it doesn't do anything it just circles a bit and even when he's raft breaks, Sawyer's raft breaks, he swims back onto Michael's, and you're like, "Where's this shark then? Come on!" <laughs> and he's, he's bleeding out from his like shoulder gunshot wound, and mm-hmm. the shark is just fucked off for like five minutes conveniently. <laughs> yeah, he's Where's gone to find someone shark? else. Am I right in There's... thinking that sharks can smell like three miles away, blood or something daft like that? It, yeah, it's literally miles away. Yeah, so yeah, it'd be it'd be dead in the yeah. normal world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I mean, <laughs> I, I, I do I, love. Sorry, go on, so I do love some of the um, the the um, not production design. Sorry, the uh, some of the prop work. So <laughs> yeah. they're on they're on they're on these kind of um, floating pieces of like flotsam, you know, for like the raft. Mm. And uh, Sawyer's one when he's like on it and it starts breaking apart, it just literally falls apart like <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like a house of cards. Everything just goes. There's like all these logs are floating around, like nothing's tied together again. It's like just pull one little kind of. Ripcorn, it's all just separated. It's just... <laughs> well, it oh, feels okay. appropriate to mention some more trivia whilst we're at it. So, they, I didn't realize this. I thought the majority of this was filmed, you know, in house in like maybe a tank, you know, a big water tank or something akin to like Titanic, perhaps. 
Um, but apparently, they did actually film the majority of this at sea. Um, oh, wow, okay. Um, and they, they encountered numerous issues, such as, obviously, the waves causing cameras to go everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, obviously, the lighting was all <laughs> over the shop, because I think they, they tried to use, you know, actual lighting rigs, but they couldn't it was a bit of a struggle so they had to rely on natural light and then obviously you've got the general like scott's just said the props and the general scenery of the area they'd all be moving out of sync with one another so like you know <laughs> josh holloway and harold perrini would be acting out of scene and be floating further and further away out <laughs> of sh- out of shot one of them would be out of shot so how do you how do you cater for that um Oof. yeah that's, hot- that's quite strange actually because like the bulk of it is like pitch black you know it's 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 in the dead of night so that's why i sort of assumed it would it was in a swimming pool somewhere i I did i thought it's yeah it's perfect i was like it's like literally jet black um you can't see anything that might be a cgi moon or whatever you know that's really (laughs) that's really good cgi for that and uh yeah it's a good little shoot there but no apparently they actually filmed at sea so maybe it was a real shark maybe (laughs) it just didn't want to eat them (laughs) Actually, talking about the the shark um, again, you might have this in, in your trivia, but uh, the the shark that goes past the camera um, has the Dharma logo on it. Yep, I've you got that. that? Yeah, yeah, you have that yeah, as well. I've got, okay, yeah, I've got that. Um, the, like the the trivia on it was, it was something that you weren't really supposed to see. Yep. yep. Um, because it goes by so quickly, but I think by this stage, everyone in the show was like scanning every frame, uh, mm. and people found it almost immediately. Um, yeah, so they had to hastily come up with sort of an explanation for it. It's funny. It's something that way back when it was airing, uh, mm-hmm. my friends and I picked upon. One of my mm-hmm. best friends, she picked upon it. And um, I was like, oh, no, don't be daft. That means nothing. But then again, this is the show that means everything, doesn't it? Everything sort of means something to one another. Um but the production notes for me I've got is that basically between the writers and the producers, it was kind of like an inside joke or like an Easter egg almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's any rhyme or reason as to why it was there. It was just a bit of a joke. But like you say, John, it, it was more visible than intended. So someone didn't scrub it out as well in editing, perhaps. And I know it has its own page on Wikipedia. <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> really, what he should have had is like you know, the shark, the, the shark fins like going around, and then it pops up, and it's like Bart Simpson, and then Mike goes, "Oh, shark boy!" <laughs> oh my god, imagine. <laughs> the other good bit of trivia that I've got as well is that the the were a couple. I, I say it was it wasn't all shot at sea. There were some very uh, minute pickup shots done in a tank. Um, so obviously there was a mechanical shark at play here uh, that required three mm-hmm. puppeteers. Um, <laughs> and the shot where Michael was sort of... He, he gets attacked, doesn't he? Sort of. Um, mm. uh, was done three with puppeteers? Sh- yeah, puppeteers. And it was he was being attacked. Uh, and the shark fin that you see is just a guy holding the fin up from underwater. <laughs> yeah, that's all I thought it was. Just like... A, no, so I don't recall seeing that to a shark. Yeah. That, no, that is literally. Hang on, hang on. There's because there's a scene at the end. It does attack them at the end because yeah. Sawyer goes for yeah. the other piece of wreckage. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. No. So, so. Yeah, I just thought I'd mention that, but w- w- I'll tell you what. We'll get to that now. So, they've enticed the sh- <laughs> they've enticed the shark to them. It's circling them. It's a. They've obviously, as we've said, they have continuous arguments, and the shark remains elusive for some reason. <laughs> so. 
I'll just skip ahead kind of to the ra the whole raft storyline. So the at the raft, they see I think it's like one of the pontoons, uh, and they decide mm -hmm. that they want to mm -hmm. get on it. They think it's bigger, more stable. They'll get on it. Sawyer swims to it, and Michael and he gives Michael his gun in case the shark appears, which you know of course it's going to. <laughs> and I've actually written here when it does. <laughs> <laughs> not a matter of if it appears when it does appear mm -hmm. Michael fires terribly several several times although I think he does hit the shark he lands one yeah he does yeah. land one but you know sharks are, they, are, they are thick skinned aren't they and uh, <laughs> you know they, yeah, they, could, they could take abuse really well sharks yeah I mean you know they could survive whale attacks can't they and stuff like that so anyway so Michael joins Sawyer on the pontoon because the shark's kind of gone not today guys I've had enough um, <laughs> and you know they actually make it till morning which I found really hilarious again it's it's almost like I know I tweeted you today about this uh, John and it'll be completely irrelevant to people who are listening now but it's a bit like Venom <laughs> I don't know whether this was intended to be written as a comedy or it just happened to become one <laughs> you know it, it, it's it's a strange episode <laughs> <laughs> but when the morning breaks um, I think Michael starts crying and he was like mm -hmm. I shouldn't have brought Walt on the boat uh, on the raft yeah. sorry which is kind of the only poignant moment of the episode really yeah he accepts uh, responsibility so to speak doesn't he he does um, yeah because there was that we, as we said in season one there was that moment where you know, Walt maybe wanted to stay behind and then with all the things that were happening he was like, no, just get me off here and Michael didn't obviously think twice about it but um, you have, I do. I must admit you have that lovely shot of them kind of just floating back to the island you see the island in the mm -hmm. distance, I thought that was a lovely shot you know, they're swept up in like a I think it's a shipping lane in it that just takes them back to the island and, Yeah, um, Sawyer says, uh, we're home <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. As it, yeah. I thought it was good. I did too. And then um, we will be jumping back, but they the wash ashore and uh, Jin runs towards them from within the trees, hands tied behind his back. Mm -hmm. And he's shouting the word others at them. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is the part of the episode I think that was <laughs> really the only good bit, and it's the last few seconds. But again, you're. <sighs> It's a it's a very deceiving shot to make you obviously they're intimidating to our group of survivors, but the way that the other group walk excuse me walk out of the um, of the trees is very ominous. Mm -hmm. They're all like cloaked yes. in shadow and yeah. It reminded dirty. me of a horror film, like sort of like The Strangers or something like that. It was just very mm. very cool. Yeah, and I, I, I mean Mr. Echo, like he's he's a big sort of hulking dude you know he's, oh yeah he's like it's anybody that's like six foot plus starts walking towards you and it's built like your man you you, you, you would be sort of you'd be pretty worried i think we can use the term brick shit house on this podcast <laughs> yeah that's fair enough he, he is built that way <laughs> he, he is a very uh he's a brick shit house yeah he's so ultimately and that's where your episode ends you know it kind of fades to mm. the traditional black um so that's really the raft storyline, but just to kind of, sorry, we are jumping around the episode, but there is another little bit of storyline that's happening. So as we've said, the plot line of this episode converges almost to the same. No, it does. It's to the same point at the end of Man of Science, Man of Faith. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. 
So he's back at the camp and you've got Kate disappearing into the hatch after the light shone on her and she just kind of disappeared after Locke was mm-hmm. um, dropping her down. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I keep going. I keep going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this is the bit that we didn't see in the first episode is that John goes down himself uh, and he finds her in the the uh, computer room um, where the uh, the button is and Desmond walks up to them and asks him if he is him now <laughs> at this point you know that doesn't mean absolutely anything but I think we know if we're savvy viewers it, it will mean something further on down the line um, at this point I can't completely remember what that meant <laughs> um, is it, is it um, um, like he, he assumes Locke is like there to relieve Desmond I think yes, so right. yeah is that right yeah that is yeah he's another member of the Dharma Initiative basically yeah, yeah. yeah to yeah. take over from him yeah yeah so and he asks him the the, the, the question um, yes or the joke the joke that's it oh yeah. yes so I think Locke actually <laughs> claims that he is the person that Desmond's looking oh, because at. Because of, of course he does. Because yeah, <laughs> in his arrogant, egotistical way, he does. But as you've just said, it's kind of like a riddle and he completely fails to answer it. So yeah. Desmond being armed was like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> um, and he rounds them up and he, I think uh, Kate gets tied up by Locke and all that jazz. So, Oh, wait, yeah, no. Yeah, Locke, he, he, he like... Uh... He tells Desmond that she's a fugitive, isn't that right? Like he says, yeah. you don't need to worry about me, you need to worry about her, and that's what gets her tied up. Do you know, I, I know it sounds daft, and we keep... It, ever since Scott said he could borderline be the bad guy, and we know kind of where the, the <laughs> show goes, but it's not technically him. But at this point, he really is the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything yeah, he yeah. says is such a knobhead. <laughs> I'm not saying a thing. <laughs> I've said enough on this topic. You, so. you can just brush your shoulder. You can you can just kind of flip it off. I, I'll let you have that one because he I, yeah yeah he, he does give Kit uh, sort of the means to escape uh, at this point though. But like he it, it could very easily have gone another way you know? exactly because Desmond could have just shot her there on sight. Well, yeah, he agree, he agrees to like tie her up, but then he also gives her a knife, doesn't he? To yes, yeah, to uh-huh. kind of get out of. Because she gets locked in another room, doesn't she? She gets locked in yes, like in, a, the, yeah, in the armory, the kitchen, or oh, the, the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Um, Another, yeah, but the. Oh, is it the, the, uh, the pantry? That's yeah. It. All right. Yeah, I, that's the word. I, I couldn't think. So. <laughs> she grabs, she grabs some cereal bars while she's in there. Just she grabs it and stuffs into her pants. <laughs> it's like who wouldn't in that situation? That's, yeah. that's, that's probably the only bit of like logical, but you know, part of writing this episode. Actually. Here's a quick one on a random thing. If you were in that situation and you had anything at your disposal, so Kate grabs cereal bars, what would you grab? First thing, you've got it. Bran, uh, you've bran got... flakes. Oh, nice, nice. I like a bran flake. If, if we're talking cereal, I'd probably go like the like the honey nut loops kind of thing, like Cheerios. Yeah. Oh, very nice. I If there was some Dharma branded cola, I would take that. Ooh, uh, yeah. are you like the I like the cheap coke as well. <laughs> like, like the um like the your roller cola. Roller cola, that's style. the one. Yes. Yeah, yes. I, I love cheap cola. But you got at school discos and all that jazz. <laughs> <laughs> Flat after seven minutes. Oh god, you have to drink it quick otherwise it goes off big time. Oh yeah. Oh, that's Do, a good one. Every, everyone should totally tw- when you listen to this, everyone should totally tweet what would you steal 
or what would you take <laughs> in under circ- under dire circumstances? What would you take from a large pantry? <laughs> well, they must have something some really kind of um, not brand specific, but kind of really specific stuff because they have like peanut butter, don't we? We know they have peanut butter. Yeah, they've got like so they must have some crisps and all that. They must have like yeah, like yeah, like marmalade and crisps mm. and. I don't know, like different, various different nut, dry roasted nuts and all these sorts of really cool things. I don't know. This, this, it's weird. This, think... this could totally end the podcast, but what about Marmite? <laughs> oh, no. come on, Tom. What are you doing? I'm, so, I'm, I'm destroying the podcast by the sounds of it. <laughs> I love a bit of Marmite oh. on toast. Someone on the other must like Marmite or kind of <laughs> Dharma brand yeast extract. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got now, this I'm weird sure. this weird image of like Desmond putting a food order into the Dharma Initiative. <laughs> like, <laughs> what does he want <laughs> this week or this month or whatever he does? <laughs> oh, it's a funny thought. Anyway, do you think they actually delivered food to him like through like a like some giant tube? Maybe. They, they do kinda... deliver food, like or they do air, air drops, a, don't get... they? Yeah, I'm fairly certain that's a plot point at some it is. point of the it series is. as well it is i think it's around oh, season four when uh daniel comes into it uh faraday i'm sure yeah. i'm sure it's hmm. part of that but it must have a it must have a long shelf life it must be like you know like a oh, yeah like a military ration kind of shelf life yeah because i must admit when when we do get further into it obviously they are using these supplies to feed everyone and it does Mm-hmm. seem to go through well i think it goes all through season two you assume anyway that you know everyone is well fed throughout hmm. season two so there must be a lot there food is never a question after like episode five no it's in not the first it's, season. i've noticed it, that just papaya that's it and papaya and fish <laughs> <laughs> what's a lot cooking tonight oh paella <laughs> <laughs> no bore just locks paella fantastic yeah so um so yeah anyway we digress a little bit but kate you know, escapes the pantry through the ventilation shaft. So that's where she is. So really, this is all about placing the characters in certain positions so that everything overlaps perfectly for where we are to go with the episodes going forward. Mm. Should oh, I say. sorry. Sorry, I, I keep interrupting. But the the um, the moment last week when Jack, you know, enters the the hatch for the first time and the music starts. Oh now, yeah. I didn't yes. go back. I didn't go back to check this. But um, so at that point, Kate is in the vents and she's shouting at Jack. We see that in this episode. Oh, Apparently yes. in the first episode, you can faintly hear her do that. You can. Um, you can. I didn't go back yeah. to check, but you, maybe maybe yeah. you're more certain than I am. No, you can. It's, it's def- I know where you're coming from. So you, it, oh, it's, yeah. it, okay. it's a, I'll have to check it. It's a similar thing to when you hear um, uh, Bernard on the uh, airplane thing, just as boom, right, right, right. boom okay. falls. It's a similar thing. Yeah. Yeah, you can just faint. That's faintly. Cool. Yeah, it is. It's really. I, I. I must admit, like these little bits of these episodes are what makes it. It's just unfortunately the bulk of this one for me was a bit disappointing. <laughs> but you get you get mm. the whole like the klaxon goes off. Um, Desmond walk. Desmond fires at the music. Yeah, he fires. He? At, yeah, yeah, he fires. He walks lock at gunpoint, and you kind of trace Jack's steps via Kate. I think looking through, uh, and mm-hmm. talks about putting the numbers in to reset the 108 minute timer uh so there's all that and mm-hmm. it kind of just links you back to where that episode went um yeah but this is this is the first time we find out like what actually happens in the computer though isn't it, it? is it is yeah it is. and we get that the the code that you have to enter is 
of course, the the numbers. It is. Um, but don't. Um, and also, does, does, sorry, go on, John. Oh, sorry, go on ahead. No, I was just going to say, don't you think it's really cool though? How even though her, at this point Hurley's not present, but it it's such a cool way of saying or almost introducing to the audience that the, these the numbers are what stop the timer, mm. but they don't really go any further than that. It's like we know, oh shit, like. Mm. The, these are the bad numbers, but he's just like, yeah, you've got to put these numbers in, and you're like, oh my god, these are guys. This writer's room is yeah. so clever. <laughs> John John doesn't record a number, does he? Because um, actually, I think that come, I think that does come into play later on in in, in uh, the next episode, maybe further down. But um, John doesn't kind of flinch when Desmond reads out the numbers, which means he doesn't record them from when Hurley told him the numbers. He didn't remember seeing them from outside the hatch. No. Mm. Although John does ask. What will happen? Like he doesn't say what happened if I don't do it, or what will happen if I do do it. He just says what happens, yeah. and Desmond just says just fucking press yeah. the fucking button. I think I think that's in orientation, which is like you say is the next episode because he, he does actually put them all in, doesn't he? But then he stops short of pressing enter, and he's like, "What's going to happen?" Yeah. yeah. Oh, so cool. Like it's it's it is so good. Like I know we mentioned previously that we didn't like how this uh, constantly jumps back in itself you know for these first three episodes but i love that we're only getting tiny tiny pieces of the, like what, what's the deal with this computer what's the deal with the hatch uh, it, like it is really frustrating but at the same time I, th- I think it's really good like if waiting a week yeah between each episode probably killed me at the time mm. yeah um, but <laughs> just yeah i think I, I sent this i said this last time as well but it is the the fireworks factory thing it's like mm. i just want to know what this is all about at once but at the same time i really admire that you're spacing this out i think this is a problem <laughs> as well um generally speaking that most uh tv series have in when they separate a lot of the main cast um for those of you that watch the walking dead for example in the mid section of its run there was far too many characters that were separate and you know you could go three or four episodes before you saw andy lincoln again for example or Norman Reedus, and hmm. it was just too many characters to focus on. So I'm not saying this is by no means as bad as that. It's just that when you separate the characters, like, so we've got Michael, we know now that we've got Michael, uh, Sawyer, and Jin in one bit, and then we've mm-hmm. got the rest of the cast somewhere else. We know going forward that we will be not seeing everyone all at once, and I think sometimes mm. writers can fall foul of, not that they're not prioritizing correctly, but I just think there's always one storyline that's uh, underwhelming compared to the other I just I don't know if they can juggle it as mm. well it might just be yeah. how I'm looking at it I don't know no no I know yeah. what you mean yeah. so with that really the episode ends again exactly where Man of Science Man of Faith ended in the uh, uh, Jack uh, Locke greets Jack into you know the computer room and he's got a gun to his head from Desmond so it's really it's exactly the same ending to be honest but just from a different point of view <laughs> there's not much more to say yep. there <laughs> yeah it's good though uh, yeah. i mean i mean the the next episode um is really good <laughs> my, my <laughs> it is really good but the the only well the 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 biggest note i have written is just mythology and that's it (laughs) next week it's just like here you go here's everything well not everything but here's a good chunk of the stuff that you're going to need to know for the rest of the season i think Um, i think i've said it before in season one but i'll steal it from austin powers again but it's the basil exposition episode where it's just uh, yeah it is a bit but it's done really well it is done Um, really well yeah it is done really well and i I think at this point as well you kind of need it 
because you've had so many mysteries and so little to kind of <laughs> go on that you just need a yeah. bit of an info dump. <laughs> yeah. Is that um, orientation, if I remember correctly, because I only watched it recently, obviously, um, is that when we first see Pierre Chang for the first Correct. time? Correct. Yes. Ah, namaste. Namaste, <laughs> yes. Another great recurring character in the series. Um, so, yeah, that is a drift, unless we have anything else to say. I mean, a couple more production notes that I've got um, was really... Uh, because uh, so the way the start of season two was envisaged by the writers uh, was that obviously season one finished kind of with two cliffhangers obviously the raft explosion and the explosion of the hatch or the opening of the hatch should I say <clears throat> excuse me so when the, they started production on season two they decided that Man of Science Man of Faith would focus on the hatch and they'd leave the raft scenario till this episode which I think was probably a wise thing because I might have murdered someone if I didn't get to know what was down the hatch back, especially when it aired. Um, but other than that, we've kind of mentioned the trivia that I've got anyway throughout. Um, was there any notes about um, what the purported Sawyer storyline was going to be for the episode? Was it something that they filmed or written? Or did, uh, is there any mention about what it was? Check here again. So the, the only thing I can find here, again, I'm, I'm relying on the last Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, originally going to be a Sawyer flashback. Um StarTrek.com announced that Jolene Blalock had been cancelled oh. and some scenes were partially shot before being scrapped in favour of uh, this episode. So I yeah, don't know. She, Which she was in Star Trek Generations, I think, the one with um, Scott Bakula, I think. Oh, okay. I think that's the one. Was it Enterprise? Was it Enterprise? I think Enterprise, it was Enterprise. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Generations was the film, wasn't it? The one that right. Patrick Stewart first popped up, yeah. Mm. Um, it does yeah. seem as though um, one of the, the actors that was going to be in this episode um, ends up in the the next Sawyer flashback anyway, so it looks as though it wasn't a complete um, write-off, but that actress, Julian Blalock, Blalock, didn't appear in that one, so uh, mm. hard, hard luck for her, I guess. Yeah. The only other bit of trivia that I've got is uh, the Harold... A lot of old Blalocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. On the fly, very good. Um, <laughs> the only other bit of trivia that I've got is that Harold Perrineau, uh he took swimming lessons in prep for this episode. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if he couldn't swim prior to this, but um, he just took swimming lessons to make sure he was better prepared for it. <laughs> I guess because they were filming at sea, they wanted to make sure. Mm. Um, it makes sense if you're only like a like a like really really amateur swimmer. I mean, I. I I can barely swim, so I'll be terrified going out to an ocean, um, you know, with a mechanical shark out there as well. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. So. <laughs> oh, terrible, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I think generally, so generally speaking, adrift. I, I mean, where where do you guys stand? I know I've made my thoughts fairly clear, but generally, where do you think it stands? Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was okay. As I said, I've, we we've come around to Michael a bit more. Um, and I think you know every episode I watch that is Michael centric. I'm, I'm I don't mind as much. Um, but as I say, those, those last scenes, the last flashback, and the scene where he's uh, Sawyer and him are, are floating back to the island, um, where he's just again distraught, basically, um, are are really good scenes. But everything else is, uh, yeah, just a bit perfunctory. And, and as we've said, A to B, 
the hatch the hatch stuff is good but yeah yeah i think it plays better because i watch these episodes um like back to back um yeah. maybe if i like this this episode on its own probably not wouldn't be in my top 10 yeah i think all the hatch stuff is really well done it's just the the the, the bulk of it is it just feels a bit not lazy but it just feels a bit clumsy we, we already mm. know a lot of this about michael and ultimately maybe just goes on a bit too long you know they could have maybe got to land quicker i don't know it was just hmm. anyway that was my thinking maybe they could have um maybe got to shore quicker and mm. maybe they was wandering in the woods for a bit trying to find Jin or yeah. trying to find some help they could have explored mm. that and then michael and Sawyer could have still been arguing and then they could have injected some peril Mm. Um, in the jungle as well with like the, the tailies coming after him maybe or what we perceive to be the others yeah. Um, so yeah they could have juggled it around a bit but um, yeah our pretty much consensus is it's not the best episode No, I mean but... we get a few glimmers of character development very very you know like Michael's descent into madness is kind of very kind of loosely um played upon here you know he's he's constantly mm. shouting for Walt and I think Sawyer says he, he's gone on a boat so you can't hear he says well you never know so I'm just going to keep shouting anyway <laughs> it's, it's like bits like that kind of I, I thought okay well yeah you know we're getting some kind of insight into how Michael is going to descend eventually um, but yeah it, no it's yeah as John says not going to be top 10 uh, or Tom said that but yeah might be my top 10 at any point either mm. no I'm just having a quick look at the, the the page for Susan Porter, and you'd be pleased to know that she's only in two episodes. So that's we've had her too. She she won't appear again. Oh, hey. thank God for that. <laughs> there there is light. Hey. There is light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> I mean, we know she dies. Not the actor. The 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 character. Yes. So. Walt did it. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Walt it. did it. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag Walt did it. There you go. Hashtag Walt did it. I just find it really amazing, though, given what you said, Scott, at the start, that like 23 million people tuned into this. It'd be interesting <laughs> to see, go, like, dependent on whether the critical reception was the same as the audience reception, whether, like, there is a sharp decline in viewership as a result. I'm, I'm interested mm. going into next week. It wasn't off. So it it wasn't on the same day as the first episode, wasn't it? They didn't do like a two-parter thing. No, they no, didn't. they didn't. No. no. Mm. Just in case I, that maybe it counted for it. I I think it's because because the the, the first episode was so fucking good. They exactly. thought we're tuning in next week as well. So every every single person pretty much tuned into the second week and was like, oh, oh no, <laughs> yeah. oh no, <laughs> oh no. We it can got only a raft get, but the beauty of it is that it's only episode two in a very long season, and it can only get better from here. So true, which it does. So it does, yeah. thankfully. Thankfully, yes. So, unless we have anything else to say, I think that wraps up another week. That's where it does. Yep, that's me. That's all my notes. (laughs) That's all my notes too. So next week we will be focusing on episode three, orientation. As we've already alluded to, it's a bit of a info dump exposition episode, but it's a very very good one. So uh, we will see you next week. Thank you for your time, chaps. As always. Thank you. Namaste. uh, Namaste. Yes. Stay safe, everybody, and uh, thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye.